You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back another edition of Through the Spoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia, and we are here to provide some of our better-formed opinions on the scrimmage that we got to see on Saturday after marinating on things a little bit, maybe even talking to some sources afterwards a little bit. Uh, getting some feedback there, et cetera. So we'll we'll do a deep dive into some of our thoughts from that scrimmage. Again, it's just a starting point. Scrimmage one is typically, you know, the roughest of the scrimmages. But um, I do think it was a valuable snapshot in terms of uh, the starting point for this 2023 Hurricanes team. And, uh, you know, we can discuss, you know, intelligently some of our thoughts on the personnel and how we hope to see them utilized, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll get into that here, but on the front end, Gabby, uh, there's been plenty of recruiting news happening over the weekend. And um, so we need to address that. And uh, so let's start with commits and let's start with the quarterback position. This is a 2025 recruit, um, but he is a quarterback and that's always a big deal when a quarterback commits to any program. And so 2025 three-star quarterback Luke Nickel out of Milton High School uh, in the state of Georgia has committed to Miami. Tell us what we need to know about Mr. Nickel. Yeah, Luke Nickel, uh, you know, listed at six foot two, 205 pounds, uh, you know, won 10 games as a sophomore at that Milton Georgia program. Uh, that's it's it's in Georgia's highest classification. So he's playing seven A ball again. Made it to the sem- made it to the semifinal of the state playoffs. Um, you know, completed just under um fifty nine percent of his passes. He threw for twenty four uh twenty five hundred yards, twenty four touchdowns to eight interceptions. Um, you know, so again, he's he's a guy that's kind of gone out there on Friday nights again as a youngster, as a sophomore. He's just going to be a junior this coming season. But he's at a he's at a a, a big time program in the state of Georgia. Uh, plays some really good competition up there and again was able to kind of lead his team he's he's a part of a very talented team he has a receiver um that's going to Texas A&M and DeBron Gatling he has a tight end that's a top 247 talent in his in the same 2025 class um so there's plenty of talent over at Milton and he's definitely been been able to be productive um you know I think he's got he he definitely has some tools you know David we watched him throw a little bit at, at Miami uh in July 
And, uh, you know, I think there's definitely some arm talent and you turn on the tape and you kind of see what uh, what Shannon Dawson likes about him. You know, he can kind of make he can kind of make plays with his arm, um, you know, kind of either even a couple clips on tape where you kind of see him like, you know, kind of off platform, make make a throw down the middle of the field. Um, you know, so I, I think he's a he's a guy who has a chance to, you know, continue to kind of develop the right way. I think he's still physically maturing. His dad is kind of tall. He has a brother who plays tight end at Michigan State who's like floating around the six foot four range. So I think that there's still room for him to kind of get bigger as he kind of gets older. Um, you know, and again, I think that uh, this is kind of one of those uh, you, you kind of establish where your quarterback, who your quarterback's going to be in that 2025 class. And I think Luke Nichols, someone that after a live eval, they decided to, you know, really pursue heavily and uh, got on board on Friday night. Yeah. Let's see how the junior season looks. And uh I think we'll have a better understanding of his potential and progress as a passer after this junior season. Uh, the next day, Gabby, so on set, so nickel committed on Friday night on Saturday night, Miami was able to flip Michigan defensive and commit Elias Rudolph, um, four star defensive end, lengthy guy, a uh, little thin framed, but, um, I think he's got the ability to get to 240 pounds or so and kind of be that speed edge rusher with length. Um, but take us through, and, and you definitely dropped some hints that, hey, after the Colin Simmons thing didn't go Miami's way last week, hey, keep an eye on Mr. Rudolph. So take us through this situation, how it happened for Miami. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't think that this is a guy that Miami ever gave up on. I think coming into, like, just kind of going back to the summer, uh, after that Michigan official visit, uh, I think that he silently committed to that staff. I think it went really well. I, the following week, he goes to Miami on an official visit. And I really think that visit kind of blew him away. But I think he had already kind of gotten to the point where he had set a commitment date. Uh, he kind of had already established what he was doing. And I think even as we got closer to that commitment date, the day of the commitment date, I, I was I remember sitting on the third base side of a Marlins game on my phone, writing up a, a, a commitment story just in case Elias Rudolph pulled a shocker and picked Miami because uh, they were working super, super hard uh, behind the scenes to kind of get that done. And I, I thought that they were, they were very close. I mean, they were kind of at a point where it's like, it feels like this could kind of go either way. He did follow through with that Michigan commitment, but Miami never stopped recruiting him. They wanted him really, really badly in his class. And I think this is regardless of Colin Simmons, but I, I think that, you know, really it kind of maybe helped them kind of hit the gas a little bit more uh, after that Colin Simmons situation, but they got him back on campus at the end of July. Uh, you know, again, another guy who kind of got the opportunity to run around for them a little bit, uh, spent some time, uh, probably the later portion of the afternoon at the pool party. He was the last one to leave. He had a really long conversation uh, with Mario Cristobal's family. And I think Miami just kind of did enough to kind of uh, push it their way. Again, I think he came out of that Miami official visit in the summer. Like, wait, hold on a second. Like, I kind of really like this too. Um, so I, I think that this was just Miami really just kind of working. And I think that commitment was maybe more of a speed bump than kind of like, a you know, a, you know, shut it down or anything like that. Like, I think it's just something they had to kind of overcome and just work through, but they never stopped pushing for Elias Rudolph. And again, they were able to kind of close things out. I mean, I really feel like that last visit uh, in July went a long way towards helping them do that. But yeah, he's someone that they really like. And again, like you said, David, I don't know if he's ever going to be that 265 pound, uh, you know, kind of edge rusher or whatever, but I think he can be that speed guy and he's extremely talented and twitchy off the edge and he could definitely get to the backfield in a hurry. And, uh, you know, they're super excited about uh, what he could potentially be uh, once he kind of throws on the weight that he needs to throw on. 
And then Sunday evening, Kavion uh, Broussard out of Zachary High School in Louisiana committed. He's an offensive tackle, 6'6", 275-ish, kind of viewed as, as a late bloomer yeah. type of offensive lineman, has intriguing physical traits to develop. But again, he's a he's kind of a developmental player, which is fine. Yeah. Offensive line is a developmental position. Uh, he did have plenty of offers from Power Five programs, um, but Miami was excited to land this commitment and uh, continue to add to their offensive line class and depth for the future. Yeah, I mean, David, just us knowing, like, again, their sort of approach and their view of this 2024 class, I felt like this is like the body type that it just feels like this is exactly kind of like what they're looking for in this 2024 cycle, uh, uh, a, a, a developmental tackle with tools. Uh, again, you mentioned six foot six, 275. I've heard he's around the 280 pound range. Um, I feel like he, uh, people just around him feel like he's kind of flown under the radar because he missed all of spring uh, with a shoulder surgery, with a shoulder issue that he kind of, you know, I kind of kept him out of spring football. So he didn't have any spring tape. Um, he wasn't able to go through the camp circuit because he was recovering for that injury. He played his junior season at 244, 45 pounds. So it's hard to really judge him off the junior tape. And I think after Miami got some fall camp footage, now that he's fully recovered and back, they see how much thicker he's gotten, how much bigger he's gotten now that he's up to two, 280 pounds. And I think they feel like there's just still so much room for him to grow. Um, you know, they, they're under the impression that he's going to be a guy that just rises, you know, over the course course of the fall once people once his tape kind of circulates and they feel like uh, you know they got in at a time where they can kind of uh, lock him in before he becomes you know maybe a, a high a higher profile prospect which I think they think is possible uh Matt McC Matthew McCoy who's a tackle in Miami's room now who they like a lot is a comp that I got um you know from Miami as a again I think as a prospect and I think it could be similar uh tracks and Matthew McCoy isn't you know a starting tackle for them or anything like that but I think he's someone that uh, you know, they really value the tools and the traits again as a developmental guy, guy that's putting on weight, also kind of suffered through some shoulder things uh, again. But I think someone that, uh, you know, even what, what we saw in the scrimmage on Saturday still has a potential to mm -hmm. potentially be a, a too deep guy and help Miami uh, at, in that way. So I think uh, Kavion Broussard, again, if we're projecting, uh, you know, three years down the line, I, I think we're going to be excited about what he could potentially be and maybe even the depth that he can provide behind, uh, you know, Samson, Akin Lola and Francis Malagoa, depending on how long those guys are are here before they're off to the NFL. So. Uh, yeah, they're extremely excited about KV on Broussard. The thing I like about this staff's approach with landing, quote-unquote, developmental offensive linemen um, is that these the guys they take that kind of fit those characteristics, they are bigger frame guys, right? So they're 6'6", 280, like you're saying. Um, and so... You never know how it's going to go with the, the, the developmental process, but at least if you have that size, you have a chance, right? And I think in the past, Miami was making too, was taking too many guys that were 6'2", 300, 6'3", 300, 6'5", 240. Um, and it's just hard to project. And those guys can end up working out at the college level for other programs, uh, but if your goal is to be a consistent 10-win team, the body types have to look different on the line of scrimmage in particular. So after that commitment, Miami's now at 21 commits in this 2024 cycle. Uh, that currently ranks number 15 overall, according to 24-7 Sports, which 
you know, has them within striking distance, quite frankly, of a top 10 class. Plenty of work to still get done here um, in order to make that type of leap. Uh, but right now, Gabby, we are keeping an eye on four recruits in particular, I think it's fair to say. Uh, defensive lineman Kamarian Franklin out of the state of Mississippi. Defensive lineman David Stone out of IMG Academy. Defensive back Xavier Mincy out of Daytona Mainland. And defensive back Zaquan Patterson out of Chaminade Madonna. So these are all... I believe they're all top 150 recruits. Yeah. David Stone, of course, is a five-star. Um, so these are big-time recruits that might be announcing soon. Uh, some of them we know are. But let's just go down the list and you know, kind of share where things are at with a potential commitment date, who's in the mix, et cetera. And let's start with Kamari and Franklin, who's made a ton of visits here to Miami this calendar year. He has been getting some Auburn crystal balls, uh, but take us through where that situation stands right now. Yeah, uh, you know, again, a commitment's coming on August 22nd. Uh, Auburn is the program that's trending, and, you know, I do think that uh, the Tigers should probably be viewed as the favorite right now. Uh, again, like we said, Miami's hosted him, hosted Kamarian Franklin really so many times. I think it's been five times to this point. And, uh, you know, I think they position themselves extremely well. Um, I think that they are kind of in that number two spot right now, and they're kind of working to climb here in these final days, what we're basically a week out from an announcement. And uh, I think to this point, again, I don't think Miami has been informed uh, of a decision of where Kamari Franklin is going. I think he's still relaying to the Miami staff that he's undecided, that he hasn't figured out exactly what it is that he's doing yet, but uh, a lot of the intel favors Auburn right now. And again, we're seeing what, what those guys are doing on the recruiting trail right now. And um, you know, all those different types of things. So it's a, uh, you know, it's definitely not hard to figure that Auburn could be a, a school that's making a, a, that made a late run here. Uh, but I know Miami's kind of doing all they can do to kind of keep themselves into this, uh, you know, in this recruitment and, and try to cross that finish line. Defensive tackle is a, an absolute must. Um, it's one of those absolute needs this uh, recruiting cycle. And Kamarian Franklin is, is I mean, truly uh, alongside David Stone, who's the guy we're going to talk about next, uh, you know, definitely amongst the top group of guys that they want to have in the class. So uh, Miami's going to keep battling it out there. Yeah, so David Stone, he is uh, at IMG Academy. And uh, it seems like ever since maybe May or June, I mean, there was always an Oklahoma vibe with him. Yeah. Uh, but it seemed like that kind of uh, elevated that sense of being an Oklahoma lock since the summer months here. Does he have a commitment date? Is the vibe still Oklahoma? Yeah, uh, David Stone's making a commitment on August 26th, and I think Oklahoma is still kind of the team to watch. You know, I think, uh, again, you you kind of taught, you ask around people with people, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, David Stone's done a really good job of playing this thing close to the vest, but I do think that, uh, you know, Oklahoma is is just going to be tough to beat. I mean, he told me he went for an official visit this summer. He said he went back for his teammate Jaden Jackson's official visit. Jaden Jackson is someone he's really close to, his IMG Academy 
uh, you know, counterpart, uh, you know, plays alongside of him on that ascenders defensive line. And uh, he's going to Oklahoma now. And how much does David Stone factor into like even his decision to do that? Um, you know, so I, I know that there I, I think if you're just kind of reading the tea leaves here, it does seem like Oklahoma is kind of the school that David Stone's going to ultimately choose. Really, even since IMG Academy's media day last year, the 2022 media day, like it was kind of like very evident at that point that Oklahoma was going to be like a really, really a school that he's probably going to end up at. Um, Miami's worked extremely hard here. He told me uh, at that media day that uh, Miami is his favorite, his family's favorite school. Um, you know, he kind of whipped out the, he ended up tweeting out or, you know, retweeting an edit uh, that, you know, that that showed that Miami made an edit for his little brother on his first day of first grade. Like, I think Miami's just done a good job of getting the family to buy in. And uh, look, I think I've talked to people who think that if it's not Oklahoma, it's it, it might be Miami. Like Miami might be again in that number two spot, and and that's not the place you want to be. But I think Miami's again. I think they're in uh you know strong position going into this uh, announcement. But right now, I would lean uh, the Sooners. And Xavier Mincy, the defensive back out of Daytona Mainland, he was at UM for their little barbecue yeah. cookout deal in late July. Is does he have an announcement date, or is there just a lot of buzz that he might be ready to shut it down soon? Yeah, I think it's a lot of buzz, and uh, you know, I wrote uh, on the website. I think it was uh, sometime Friday, um, or maybe it was Saturday. I think it was probably fr- I think it was Friday uh, after Luke, or maybe after, uh, maybe it was Saturday after Elias Rudolph committed. That hey, I just thought that Miami was just con- was still in a really good spot with Xavier Mincy, and I didn't write that he was about to commit. I actually emphasized a few different times that he was not like the like not committing or anything like that. I just felt like I thought that you know Miami was still working really really hard in that recruitment, and I'm not sure if that's like you know something that gener- like ended up just being taken completely out of context and uh, somehow made it seem like Xavier Mincy was announcing a commitment. Uh, on Sunday uh, to Miami and that wasn't at all of uh, the intent of the post or anything like that but it seems like uh, it, it got kind of manipulated uh, in that way to the point where multiple college staffs are calling Xavier Mincy and his family and his coaches asking him if he's about to commit to Miami uh, you know kind of created a wildfire um, that was kind of just I think very driven by social media but I, I all the alt like my overall point was just that I think Miami's positioned themselves extremely well in this recruitment. And, you know, he did tell me after that July barbecue that he, by, he could see a situation where he was uh, committed. He said like, I think it was like by week one or week two or senior year before his senior year. So I do think that Xavier Mincy could be getting closer to a commitment, um, but there's no commitment date. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not even saying that Miami is the crystal ball leader or anything like that, but I think those guys have done an excellent job of just, you know, making sure they're at the forefront of this thing, you know, like, uh, you know, on the table uh, whenever it is that Mincy decides that he's ready to kind of shut things down. And Zaquan Patterson, the local safety prospect, big time player, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what's the latest there? Yeah, a, a guy that doesn't have a commitment date, but is going to come off the board soon. And, uh, you know, he he I, I went to go see Zaquan Patterson on Monday at, at Shamanad Madonna. Uh, just before his practice. And, you know, he he did say that, you know, it seems like their high school um, head coach wants all the seniors committed before uh, the season starts. They have a, like a preseason scrimmage against Northwestern on Thursday. That's not like the target date, um, but their season 
actually begins the following week uh, with Washington, D.C., St. John's coming down uh, to play Chaminade. Uh, so I think before that game kicks off, I mean, at some point between now and then, uh, Zaquan Patterson is going to announce commitment. Uh, he's empowering his mother a lot to have a, a a really big say in this commitment. He kept saying that, like, I, I decided on my five schools, which are Miami, Auburn, uh, Florida State, Michigan, and Ohio State. And, you know, my mom's going to have a lot of, you know, say into where this decision goes. But, you know, I think he also made it abundantly clear that uh, he is not going to really shut down his recruiting process either after he makes his commitment. And, you know, nothing will be finalized until that December early signing period. So, I still think there's a long way to go here, but uh, someone is going to add Zaquan Patterson to their commit list here in August. And I do think Miami is uh, has done a really good job. Again, I think, you know, I think they've done a great job of developing a relationship with mom. Uh, he did say a lot of really good things about Auburn, too. So that's another school, another um, Auburn, uh, you know, battle that I guess Miami's having to fight there. And also Michigan seems to be like a program that he likes a lot as well. So um, and then Florida State, of course, too. So uh, I, I've not really sure exactly which way that's leaning but uh i do like just bye bye god it did seem like he was really excited about auburn interesting and uh yeah so it's it's closing time potentially for all four of these guys here and that's that's what mario cristobal does best um let's just say hypothetically gabby i went and did the class calculator thing with these guys and let's say hypothetically miami closes strong on three of the the four guys, and let's say it's Franklin, Mincy, and Patterson, that would get Miami into, I believe, the top six in the country. So that'd be a huge jump. Let's say yeah. Miami is able to only get both DBs. Um, that would get Miami just inside the top 10. So uh, lots at stake here with, with trying to close strong on some of these top prospects. Also, too, like... I think if you're projecting uh, for the future, you could argue these are two of the most important positions on defense that Miami needs to hit on in this yeah, 2023 sure. tackle and safety. Um, so vitally important time in recruiting to, to kind of close here before maybe the month of September. And uh, Gabby, will be, Gabby will be all over it on InsideTheU.com. All right, let's take a quick break here. And on the other side, we will get into some of our scrimmage thoughts. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561 573 Four six six one. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. 
Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids' selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. All right, we are back. Gabby, I think the best way to do it is just split this up offense, defense, and, and kind of just go position by position, have some discussion on some uh, some of the topics that might be most interesting coming out of the scrimmage. And so let's talk first on quarterbacks. And, you know, I think the, the easiest way to frame the discussion uh, around Tyler Van Dyke uh, relative to the performance in the scrimmage on Saturday I think it's just fair to ask, did it look like 2021 Tyler Van Dyke to you? Um, he, I think, overall looked fairly comfortable. I think he looked more comfortable in this offense than he did this time last year. He finished with uh, a stat line of going 13 for 23 for 194 yards with one touchdown and one interception. So a solid day's work. Um but Gabby, do you feel like just what you watched on Saturday, did it look like 2021 Tyler Van Dyke to you? Yeah, I, I think it looked, I think you, we saw shades of it, right? Like I liked his willingness to kind of push the ball downfield. You know, I, I like that he took shots. I think that's very 2021 of him. I don't think we saw as much of that, uh, you know, last year. So I think, uh, you know, the explosives, the, I, that fade ball he threw to Jacoby George, uh, to the right side of the field was was a beautiful ball, like super well, perfectly placed. Again, that twenty three yard counts as an explosive. That's that's a big play. Um, you know, kind of throwing the ball up for a playmaker on the outside to to Colby Young, uh, going up and grabbing it. You know, get twenty five yard touchdown, explosive. Um, and then that long that long ball to Xavier Restrepo, which was just a beautiful ball that you know he had to kind of extend for bring it down. He also targeted Restrepo a second time deep, and you know defensive pass interference. Uh, kind of brought that one back, but he took the shot. And uh, so I think that this is a, an offense that, again, we're, we've talked about it. They're looking to push the ball downfield. And I think watching Tyler kind of rip it, um, you know, definitely made me feel better that he could be uh, in that 2021 form. And again, I mean, peak Tyler Van Dyke in that 2021 season was really, really good. But yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see uh, a version of Tyler that's at least closer to that uh, than what we saw in 2022. So yeah, I mean, I would say, say that it looked like we're we're kind of back to that kind of uh Tyler Van Dyke mold I agree I think he looked like it um honestly if not better um I think a big part of that was the pocket he had to work work with was consistently there the offensive line gave him a lot of time and as we know when Tyler has time he is going to produce so I think we saw that more times than not on Saturday, there was a few drops that were frustrating. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it's fair to say Tyler Van Dyke is going to be productive. Uh, will that lead to wins? I think that has more to do outside of 
Tyler doing his job. Uh, but I do think he's going to produce, which is a good thing, of course. How about the backup quarterback discussion? Um, and look, I think it's, I think it's fair to say, right? Jakari Brown didn't have the best day. Uh, he went seven of sixteen for fifty-seven yards. Um, so, no doubt, he did not have the type of day he would have liked. Uh, at times, he was holding on to the ball too long. I think that is fair to say. Uh, and then I feel like later in the scrimmage, he was maybe frustrated slash, you know, not in rhythm, uh, maybe pressing, and some balls were sailing on him, or he was kind of nosediving some balls too low. Um, so overall, just a frustrating day. Um and so let's just keep this on Jakari for now before we get into Emery. How do you evaluate his performance on Saturday morning? Because I think it I think he's a tough quarterback to evaluate in this type of setting. So I think that's fair to say. Uh, but it's also fair to say he does need to be better. Yeah, and I think that's the I think that's a great way to put it because I do agree. And you, I mean, this is, you brought this up yesterday. So I, I mean, I'm definitely like just kind of piggybacking off of that and just a discussion that we were having that, you know, it is, I mean, one, what we saw from Jakari again, you're, I think like you, again, you, you said this, David, these are your words. I mean, you're taking away 50% of his, of his game by like, you know, you're not like, he's, he's not running, you know, like you're not hitting, you're not live. And uh, you know, Jakari does have that element that he brings. That's hard uh, to kind of just ignore uh, again, and you're not seeing it because, you know, he's not a drop back passer. He's not a pocket quarterback. And I think in this setting, uh, you know, you're kind of asking him to be, cause you're not calling maybe the same type of plays that you would call if you're, you know, considering the running threat. Um, but again, at the same time, he needs to be able to hit the layups. And I know just in Shannon Dawson's uh, offense, you know, really just what he asks of his quarterbacks is, you know, the, 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 the layups need to be layups. Like they need to be, you know, very, very close to a hundred percent, like the gimmies, the easy throws, the, the ones that you have to make right in front of your face, uh, you know, those short to intermediate, uh, throws have to be close to perfect. And I don't know that Jakari is, is close to that yet. Yeah. I think he's got, I think he's working He's still working on that. I think that's a part of his game that uh, is still kind of growing. And, um, you know, so I I don't think he, I mean, he definitely didn't perform well. Um, you know, I think in this Shannon Dawson offense, I think it's going to be just kind of curious to see how patient they're going to kind of be with him, how much they're going to kind of bring him along. But that's that performance on Saturday is, is it, it just wasn't good enough. Uh, if we're talking, I think what the expectation is going to be of him, you know, again, I think we're really looking at 2024, right? Like we're not talking about this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think if, if he doesn't grow as a passer um, exponentially or we they don't kind of tailor it to his skill set, um, I think it's going to be I, – I, I don't know which way that this is going to kind of go for, for Jakari because I know we're not talking about Emery right now, but on the flip side, I think Emery did exactly what, you know, a Shannon Dawson offense kind of asks of the quarterback, and I think he was good at hitting those, uh, you know, short to intermediate balls, and he he, he moved the sticks and – you know, got got the ball out uh, when he needed to in spots that he needed to again against a lower tier defense and all that stuff. But um, Jakari, I, I I do agree that it's it's not totally fair to just you know make definitive 
decisions or statements or judgments about him in this type of setting. And at the same time say like, look, I mean, that, that just wasn't, that just wasn't good enough. Um, if he's eventually going to be the starting quarterback here at Miami. Right. And, and I think honestly, coaches struggle with evaluating quarterbacks like Jakari as well. Um, you know, we've seen instances and honestly, like I think Jakari is similar to a lot of these players in terms of taking a long time to develop as well, but also like guys like Hendon Hooker, right? Like he, he took a while to develop and he had to go to another spot to realize his potential at Tennessee. Uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, look, you can have opinions on Anthony Richardson or whatever, but like he was a top five NFL draft pick. There's areas of his game that he needs to improve on. At Florida, he didn't. He only started one year, um, and, and I think you could have made the argument he should have been a starter before that. Uh, Jordan Travis took what five years of development at FSU before or Louisville and FSU before he found his groove. Uh, Josh Allen, kind of a late bloomer, big athletic quarterback. Will Levis had to transfer, kind of a big athletic quarterback. Max Duggan last year at TCU, another big athletic quarterback that didn't win the job last year, became the starter because the starter got hurt. Um, and so, yeah, my point with this is I think coaches struggle with this because coaches are very much wired, and I get it. How you perform in practice is how you're going to perform in a game. But with these guys, you know, and again, quarterbacks should not be live in scrimmages, so I am not advocating for that. Definitely don't make them live. Uh, but that running element is what makes a guy like Jakari potentially special or good. Um, and so we're not able to see that. And look, I think it's fair in these scrimmages too to be like, hey, we don't want to see you run. We know you can run. So we want to see what you can do as a passer. So there is that side of it too. Like everyone's out there trying to work on things in their games and scrimmages to improve on for their careers. And so he does need to work on that side of his game. Um, so I guess my point would be like, look, I would not give up on Jakari yet at all. That's number one. Number two, yes, Saturday's performance wasn't good enough. Um, but again, like you said, like dual threat quarterback, like Jakari, that's 50% of what he does at that position. That would be like asking Xavier Restrepo to line up outside and go get jump balls all game long, or AJ Allen to run only between the tackles, or Jaleel Skinner to go and only be an inline blocker. Like every player has their strengths, every player has their weaknesses. Um, and I would argue too that Jakari has improved as a passer year over year in terms of with his accuracy. I think he is better in that regard. Now there's still improvement that is needed. Um, but to me, the most disappointing thing with his performance was how long he was holding onto the ball. Um, I think he's just got to be better at getting the ball out quick, finding a rhythm. I think he got out of rhythm and it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and I'll say this too. This goes for Jakari, but it's also just all positions in football in general. Gabby, the longer I do this, 
when we're talking generally about players, the players that I like, the players I would ride with in recruiting uh, and for a program to develop. Number one, of course, you have to have the requisite physical traits. So you got to have the height, weight, speed element. Um, so you got to be athletic, long, big enough, right? So that's number one. Number two, you got to have that competitive excellence, you know, AKA like guys that care and are obsessed with maximizing their gifts. And to me, that's Jakari, right? So I would not write him off. He cares very much about being good at quarterback. And so I think in time, he's going to figure that out. When is that going to happen? I think that's to be determined. Um, but I would not give up because those guys I just named, Hendon Hooker, Jordan Travis, et cetera, et cetera. Those guys took time. I think Jakari might be that type of guy too. And when he figures it out, the the potential is special potential. Um, so that's what I would say on Jakari. Anything else to add before we dive into Emery? No, I think you I think you crushed that. I think we see too, like again, I know it was a a below average Georgia Tech team last year, right? But he went out and he won that game. Yeah, he did. Yes, there was throws he missed in that game. Um, but he went out and won that game. Honestly, had no business starting a game last season. He, in that game, you know, going back to the discussion of in these scrimmage settings, you don't see the running abilities of quarterbacks. He ran for, what, I think 80-something yards in yeah. that game. So he brings that element to a real game. Um, and that causes chaos yeah. for defenses. So... Yeah. I would not give up on him. Yeah. I and I think it's, I think it's fair to say too, like, again, like he shouldn't have started a game last year. He shouldn't start a game this year. And like, I feel, I, I just feel like we're, we're still so we're still in the, I think very, I think not very, maybe not very early, but we are in the early stages of Jakari's development. If you're looking at that track when he was coming out of high school, I mean, his player comp on his profile is Hendon hooker. So if we're comparing him to Hendon hooker, who again took a long time to develop and he played at VT, you know, when he was, you know, a little right. bit younger. I think, as a third, I think he was like a third year guy. Yeah. And then right. he, again, he wasn't anything special. He was an okay, probably middle of the pack ACC quarterback. And then he went to Virginia tech as like a fifth year guy. And then that's when he blew up. And, you know, obviously VT had a very good support. I mean, uh, Tennessee had Tennessee. a very good supporting cast. Uh, you know, he had a lot of talent right. around him with Jalen Hyatt. And yeah, exactly. He had a, he had a good offensive line. Uh, all those, I mean, his, one of his tackles went in the first round. Like, you know, I think that stuff's, um, I think that stuff matters too. And again, I think by the time Jakari gets to that stage in his development, again, that's why I'm saying how patient are they going to be with him? Because if you do wait again, not saying wait, but like, if you do give him the opportunity to grow, maybe he's not going to be ready in his He's definitely not ready in his second year. Who knows where he'll be in his third year. Um, Like maybe he'll, maybe he'll be ready then. But like, I think fourth, fourth year, potentially fifth year, Jakari Brown, uh, has a chance to be very, very, like very special to the point where like he can be one of the top, you know, he, again, he has the tools, he has the mentality. And uh, again, if he puts it all together, he has the potential to be a special college quarterback. And again, I'm not saying like, you know, he, people around the building love him. Like, I think that everyone thinks he kind of has it in him. It's just how long is it going to kind of take to get to that point? And I think that's where it, it gets very interesting when we're kind of tracking Jakari and his growth and where Miami kind of goes after this year, assuming it's Tyler's last year. So Emery Williams, you know, different style quarterback, yeah. 
true freshman quarterback, came in and did his job, seven of eight for 87 yards, uh, you know, no touchdowns. I will say he was sacked a few times, uh, and there was a fumble situation too where uh, miss missed handoff or something with the running back. I think it's also fair to point out that he's primarily working against the third team defense. And look, I, I think Emery is a good player. I think, I think Emery has the ability in the future to be a starting caliber quarterback for Miami. Um, so I'm not writing him off by saying this. I'm just saying like, this is how you should analyze third stream quarterbacks producing at a pretty good level. Uh, he He's going against some secondaries that feature walk-ons and, you know, he's throwing to scholarship wide receivers. So, you know, they're, those plays should be completed is kind of what I'm saying. But I do think there's something to Emery in terms of he's accurate. He gets the ball out quick, especially for a true freshman. He does do that well. Um, but, you know, am I ready to anoint him as being better than Jakari? I'm not there yet. Uh, but I do think, and this is a good thing, that Emery and Jakari will push each other here uh, in the future. Yeah, I, def- I definitely feel like Emery is, okay, I think what, whatever that 2024 quarterback competition shapes out to be and who's involved in it, um, I think we still don't know, but I think, uh, you know, just really again ar- around the building, I think that there's growing confidence that they that they that Emory Williams was kind of who they thought they he was, you know, just during the evaluation process as far as being someone they feel like could grow and develop as a passer and kind of just be, you know, be good, be efficient. And I think he showed again that he was efficient. Again, I think the things that that Shannon Dawson wants to happen, I think he did those. I know, again, obviously considering the competition level and who he was going up against, I think I think he still executed. Um, yes. he he executed the offense, which I think is a very big part of what they're asking these quarterbacks to do. I think it's I think as Emory Williams understanding his role and who, where he is at this stage of his uh, development again, I think I think they're extremely pleased with what they saw from Emory Williams and how he responded to that situation. Um, you know, with you know, kind of like the bullets flying and everything was kind of go go go. Um, you know, that 13 defensive line did have some guys coming after him. I mean, Jaden Wayne had a big day. Anthony Campbell was kind of creating some havoc uh, for that 13 defense on the interior. And, you know, again, I think those guys did their jobs too, but I think Emory Williams did respond well. And uh, I think he hit those layups. He hits, he hit those passes that he needed to, to hit. He, he found those easy completions. He made some, some, he put some balls in, 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 a, in places where his receivers can grab and make a play. Um, so, yeah, again, I think it's just, I think that we, I think you can feel good about like the trajectory of Emery. Um, and again, I think understand where Jakari is and, you know, feel good about the direction of the quarterback room, regardless of which way it goes while understanding that it's, you know, both guys are far from finished products and uh, you know, what, what, what this room's going to look like in the future is still kind of unknown, but I think both guys bring a lot of promise and, and intrigue to the position. And I do think that Emery Williams, again, like you said, has potential to be a starter here at Miami. And, yes. you know, even talking to Tyler Van Dyke at that media, at the media day, but right before fall camp, like he, he feels like Emery's further along in his development that, than he was at the same stage. And maybe that's just maybe Tyler giving Emery a pat on the back or whatever the case is, but Emery does have tools. He has size. He has a nice live arm. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I think he's, he's, a, he's capable of, of, uh, 
of producing, which we saw in the spring game too, right? Like we saw Emery, you right. know, have have a have a solid spring game performance as well. So, um, you know, again, I think there's reason to feel good about what Miami has in him too. Just looking to the future. I view it kind of like if I'm projecting the future and it's only Jakari and Emery, right? Like there's going to be other quarterbacks in the mix. We know that, but just, we got to talk about the guys we know about. Um, to me, Jakari represents the ceiling. And I think you got to see what that looks like in real life games. And then after that evaluation of going through live games, if it's not good enough from Jakari, I think you have that floor option that decently high floor option of Emery to come and just be a ball distributor and uh, operate the offense that way. That's how I view those two guys. I think they're, again, I think they're both decently good options. Um, And so it'll be interesting to track here in the future. Last thing before we move on, Gabby, there was a lot of talk after the scrimmage, which I think was fair from the fans that went, uh, that the quarterbacks held onto the ball for too long. Um. I think this was true with Jakari in particular. I think there was times where Tyler did as well. Um, how do you view that? Because I know for me, like, I think it's fair, and I think that did happen. I think that's accurate. But I would say on the flip side of that statement, I kind of view that as, okay, like we do know like Shannon Dawson wants to throw the ball deep more much more than we saw last year. And so I think with that comes these quarterbacks having to get comfortable with launching it. And this was their first scrimmage of fall camp. And so maybe there's a little hesitancy when they should have just let it rip going deep. I kind of view it as like that progression of like, okay, this is supposed to be a deep ball type of offense. We saw that at times from all the quarterbacks, them letting it rip but there was a little bit of hesitancy with letting it rip. I would expect that to change from scrimmage one to scrimmage two. Yeah, same. And I do think that it's, I mean, you have to kind of consider this is the, this was the first scrimmage of fall camp. And I, I do think to an extent, like, you know, it's, this is the, like, I, I, this is the first time that again, like, I think it's been just like, go, 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 um, you know, in this type of setting where, you know, you, you, you're just like, everything's kind of coming at you once. And, and I think I like, I like what you said earlier in the show, David, it's just like, you know, I think that just this being uh scrimmage, like scrimmage number one is never typically the cleanest scrimmage. And again, I think it's just what we saw, um, you know, in this. And uh, I mean, I didn't really, I, I think I noticed it maybe more so with the backups, like I guess Tyler a little bit too. And I do think again, they want to take some shots and Jakari for sure held it a little bit too long, but um, I'm not, I, I, I don't, think it's going to be uh too much of a I problem either. yeah i, I think I it's a I good thing honestly yeah. in terms of just like they want to throw the ball deep now For sure. you can't hold on to the ball of course but yeah. like i like it from a standpoint of like a, an approach standpoint of like all right this team's going to test you deep and i think the pass protection is good like i think the pass pro from like the first especially like that good. first team offensive yeah. line is good so like if you can like if you if you're holding the ball because you can hold the ball and not because you are just holding it, I think that's good because it gives your playmakers the ability to kind of get downfield. So, you know, I think there's a difference of just like I'm holding on to the ball and you're just getting sacked back there versus like um, you're holding the ball maybe a little bit too long, but you're, the pocket's clean and you're kind of still kind of, you know, move again, you're kind of moving the ball downfield and all those things. So um, I think it's I think it's a little bit of. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm really just evaluating Tyler uh, with that, just because I think that's really what we're going to have to kind of focus yeah. in on the most. Um, and and I, quick I, game looks too for like, sure. 
you know, this offense has a lot of quick game to it. And Definitely. They were, I think all the quarterbacks, even like we've talked about Jakari not having the greatest day. I think with quick game, he actually did fine. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's definitely a part of what they want to do. I, I mean, they work on it all practice. Like when Emery will, I, I think I wrote on the site with that. I just had just picked up that Emery was throwing the ball without the without the laces. Like he was just throwing the ball like no laces or whatever. And after me kind of checking around, it's like, yeah, that's just like a quick ball. That's just like a that's like a get rid of the ball quick drill. Like you know, it's yeah. just kind of working on just having to get the ball and, and rip it. And I think the fact that they work on that so much, and you see it with Dawson, we saw it in the spring of just even when they're working with the Nets, it's like get the ball, get rid of it, get the ball, get rid of it, and you have like three balls flying at you and like. Like, you know, basically like three counts. Like you got to rip, you got to rip this thing and let it loose. And I think that's a huge part of of what they want to do is is getting the ball out quick. So I think whenever they do hold on to it, I mean, I think they, they're going to be wanting to take their shots. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's move on to other position groups. We could kind of knock these at a little quicker pace. Running back, you know, I think it was obvious to me, at least AJ Allen, to me, was like the star of the day on offense. Uh, he went 91 yards rushing on seven carries, had a long of 44 yards. And uh, I think the other quote unquote star of the day for his role for executing his role was freshman running back, Mark Fletcher, uh, who was very effective in the red zone, uh, two red zone touchdowns, one for eight yards, one for 12 yards, I believe. So he got it done. It wasn't like a one yard punch it in situation, which honestly Miami struggled at last year. Um, but yeah, Miami struggled running the ball in the red zone period it's a good sign Mark Fletcher can punch it in from eight or 12 yards. Also a good sign that the blocking is there for yeah. him to do that. Um, so those are my two main takeaways. Uh, AJ Allen, very quick. Yep. Good vision. Top end speed. You know, it's not elite, elite, elite. If it was, he would be a freak. Um, but he is very quick and gets to his top speed quickly with the acceleration. And Mark Fletcher... He's just a load. And, uh, you know, he made Markeith Williams miss a yeah. tackle on the sideline. He runs behind his pads. And uh, to me, those are the top two backs. They really didn't utilize Henry Parrish much. I don't know if that's because they want to save him because they feel like he's definitely the number one back. To me, what my eyes tell me, though, is your your best two running backs are A.J. Allen and Mark Fletcher. Would you push back on that? No, I mean, I think it's, def I think it's definitely those two. And, and I think A.J. Allen, uh, you know, I think he's kind of – he was kind of like a mystery to us in some ways. Like, you know, we hadn't really seen him, but we had heard all these great things about him. So to watch him perform like that was good. 
Uh, you know, I, I'm very encouraged about AJ Allen and what he's good, how he's going to help these guys this year. Um, and Mark Fletcher, man, I mean, I just, I, the, the red zone stuff to me is going to be a huge, huge difference maker for huge Miami. Piece. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, you love on the first run. I mean, we, we had like almost like the perfect angle to see it, David, yeah. like the way that that right side just kind of opened up for him. So you love to see that from like Inez Cooper and, and Samson and, um, uh, and Francis Mawagoa that their side of the line kind of opened one up. And then the second touchdown run. Uh, on that goal line was kind of off the left side, off that left edge where they're able, you know, you kind of get Jalen Rivers and Matt Lee. I mean, Jalen Rivers, JV and Cohen, where they kind of like did their thing to kind of give Fletcher the opportunity to kind of get out uh, to the edge again. I mean, flicked Mark Keith off him like he was just kind of like, you know, really. I mean, it was just it was impressive to watch him just kind of do all that. I think Mark Fletcher is going to be the goal line back. Um, I just feel like that's the way it's shaping up. Like I think when they get in inside 15 yards, it's going to be the Mark Fletcher show. And I think he's going to be really, really efficient. And uh, again, I think they're going to, they're going to put a lot on him early. And I think he's kind of re- I think he's shown that he's kind of ready to answer the call. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, he he's, he's built for this, you know, and I think mentality wise, I think he's just kind of got it. He's um, a pro. Everything. Yeah. I think Mark Fletcher is, such a huge recruiting win for Miami. And um, I think he's going to make an instant impact for these guys and, you know, get into the end zone plenty. Pass catchers. Let's, let's combine receivers and tight yeah. ends mainly because tight ends are banged up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Elijah Royo did not participate. Riley Williams did not participate. Jackson Carver did not participate. So tight end group, a little shorthanded. Um, and so, I think the result of that, Gabby, is we did see more four-wide sets than I expected to see. And that included uh, Colby Young, Jacoby George, uh, Xavier Restrepo, and Brashard Smith. Primarily, those were your top four when they went four-wide. And so let's just start the conversation there, Gabby. This Elijah Royal injury lingering thing, you know hope for the best because I do think a fully healthy Elijah Arroyo is a difference maker for this offense in terms of being a tight end that's you know brings versatility to an offense with his blocking ability and pass catching ability Um, that is tough for defenses to deal with Um, but he hasn't really fully practiced in a week more than a week and he's coming off a non-contact major knee injury so it's something to worth monitor. It's worth monitoring. But let's just say, hypothetically, Elijah Arroyo, I don't know. Let's just say he's not ready to go first month of the season, right? Still getting confidence in that knee. Are you good? Like, which would you prefer? Miami bump up the roles of Cam McCormick and Jaleel Skinner? Or would you rather see them go four wide? Um, I think that, I mean, I think they're probably going to go four wide, but I think they're also going to want to utilize Cam McCormick. I just think Cam McCormick's too valuable to like what they kind of want to do and be as like, you know, just like the identity of the offense of being like, you know, just physical and and big along the line of scrimmage. So I do think we're what I guess what I'm trying to say is that if Cam McCormick is not on the field, I definitely expect him to go four wide more. Like, I don't know how often Jaleel Skinner is going to be on the field and again, unless it's as a flex, like, you know, obvious kind of passing down kind of situation because we don't, we, he's not going to be like this big, strong inline blocker. They're not, I don't think they're going to ask him to do that um, a ton. So I, I personally think that they're going to, we're going to see a lot more of these four wide looks, um, you 
know, maybe try to push the tempo a little bit because, again, I think they do want to be physical at the line of scrimmage. I think Elijah Royal gives them that when he's healthy. I think Cam McCormick definitely gives them that. And I think if they're when Elijah Royal is back, we'll probably see more two tight end stuff where they'll use Elijah Royal and Cam McCormick maybe on the field at the same time. But until then, I I could definitely see them kind of going to this four wide uh, personnel package. And, you know, we saw Brashard Smith kind of as the fourth wide receiver. I can definitely see Ray Ray Joseph as the fourth wide receiver in this kind of situation. Or I think that there's a couple different combos of, of personnel that you can use to kind of to, to be Harrell. good. Yeah. You could throw Tyler Harrell on the field at any time and really line him up anywhere because I think he's, right. he just kind of just becomes someone that you have to track on that defense. And I think he kind of becomes a mismatch, especially even if you kick him on the, to the inside where Brashard Smith kind of is, and, you know, kind of find ways to get him some free release or whatever the case is. And um, kind of maybe ma- force him to match up with a nickel or a bit, I don't know, whatever, um, so I think that there's a lot of fun combos that we could see. I don't think we saw everything that obviously that they would right. do in those packages. I thought we, I think we saw it in its basic, its most basic form, but uh, yeah, I definitely anticipate them going four wide more so than, uh, you know, throwing even like a Jalil Skinner out there very much. I think it's going to be either Cam McCormick or maybe some of this stuff. I think, so my opinion, right. I'm not predicting what the coaches will do. I would prefer to see Cam McCormick. Like if if you got to go into the season with Cam McCormick as tight end one, because Elijah's not quite good to go yet. I only really want to see him on the field in the red area, uh, yeah. you know, where his blocking and physicality can help you score touchdowns. Uh, outside of that, I'd rather them go four wide because I think you got to have that approach of your best eleven on the field, and I think that best eleven would include. Um, either Bouchard or Ray Ray Joseph as that fourth receiver or Tyler Harrell. Um, so I would lean into that now. Will they? I don't know, but um, that would be me. I also like too, Gabby. I thought it was really interesting how they used Bouchard in those four wide sets. Like they were motioning them around. Yeah, they really gave them opportunities to catch the ball in space, make the first guy miss, go pick up yards. And you know, I think Bouchard can do that. But what I really like the idea of is Ray Ray Joseph in that role. And, and yeah. Ray Ray was primarily used second and third team, probably mainly third team. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I would probably, I would definitely say so. I think they're definitely giving Richard some, I think they're giving him opportunities because I do think he yes. has that, he they has like that him. ability. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think he does have that explosive playability where if he does make that one guy miss and you give him some grass in front of him, like he is a guy that's going to be very tough to catch. And he does have that potential to, you know, make those chunk plays like, you know, make again right. like that yards after catch ability. Um, but again, I think you got to get him some grass and just allow him to get to that top speed, which he can get to pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I think all I think all these slots are are. I, I mean, I think Ray Ray. I think the w- one time we kind of saw Ray Ray like go, Best. like you yeah. saw like the juice that he's got, and I think they're I think they're still super excited about him, and I don't think Ray Ray running with that is any indication of how, how they plan on using him. Um, I mean, I fully expect to get Ray to see to see Ray Ray get some of those opportunities in a game setting uh, that Brashard Smith got maybe in this first scrimmage setting, which is exciting because yeah. I, you know, we talk about the Tank Dell role or whatever that they had at Houston. That's it right there, to moving me, him around. That's what that is. Yep. Yeah, that's it right there. Um, you you touched on it briefly when talking about the quarterbacks, but I also found it very encouraging that the starting three receivers each had an explosive on the day. Yeah. Um. Jacoby George's catch was very nice. Yeah. Uh, and to me, he's look, I was I'm 
I've been pretty clear that like, Hey, I got to see it with Jacoby George. There's always that kind of hype with him. Cause he is a talented guy, but the production necessarily hasn't been there. Um, I do think he's stacking practices and I do think he's playing pretty consistently here in fall camp. Uh, and, and that catch was encouraging to see. Um, I do think it was interesting. We never really saw a deep shot to Tyler Harrell. We mainly kind of saw him in the quick game. Um, and so I think that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Like, you know, they didn't want to put that out there. Uh, but I think overall, I feel better about the receivers year over year, which I did anyways, but we got to see it. And look, if you got those starting three or four receivers playing an entire game rather than having to rotate in with the scrimmage, I think the potential is there for them to put up big numbers in, yeah. in real games. Absolutely. I mean, I feel I do feel much better about the receivers. Uh I mean, it was last spring. I feel like our our, our antennas started kind of like going off that like, okay, this is going to be a problem. I haven't really felt that way, um, you know, with, with this group. And I do, I do, I did felt like after spring, they needed to add more. And I think Tyler Harrell gives him um, that. And I, I, I think it's true. Like you're not going to see that heavy rotation. So if Jacoby George got, you know, four or five more targets, like who knows what he would have done. I like that Restrepo. I thought Xavier Restrepo was, you know, again, he had the opportunity to be explosive, you know, with two targets downfield. And again, Colby, I, I, I we wanted to see Colby Young kind of make a play and, 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 and do what he did. And I, I was extremely encouraged about uh, with, with Jacoby, um, with, uh, with Colby Young. And uh, again, I think even the, the rest of the slots, Prashard and Ray Ray, like, I think that, I think those are the guys that we're going to see the most of uh, here uh, you know, in this 2023 season. And I think all of those guys have gotten better. And I think the guys that they've kind of influxed into the room, um, I think elevate the, 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 the room also. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, I definitely feel better about the receiver room year over year. Offensive line, you know, we touched on it, but I think first team was solid, right? You're going to have some back and forth and Miami's D line is good. So sacks are going to happen at times during scrimmages. You kind of want that back and forth, but I feel like Overall, Miami's offensive line, um, you know, particularly the first team, was good in both pass protection and run blocking phases. I was impressed, honestly, with the second team's offensive line, their ability to run block. Yeah, I think they opened up some some holes for AJ Allen to go get yards. Um, and you know, I think it was interesting too. We saw during the scrimmage how they're cross training a guy like Samson Okunlola on the second and third team. You know, having him play some left tackle, having him play some left guard, which I liked seeing. Uh, Matthew McCoy, same thing. Having him yeah. play some right tackle, having him play some right guard. Ryan Rodriguez, you know, playing some guard, playing some center. So uh, lots of cross-training going on. Tommy Kinsler, you know, big guy. Uh, I think he's a guy they got to get going here, uh, you know, early in the season, just in case you got to dip into that type of depth. But Overall, I think the offensive line was encouraging. We talked about Mark Fletcher's touchdown runs. That was very good to see. And, you know, Tyler did have a clean pocket to play with more times than not. Yeah, I mean, I love this first five. I think it's, I think it's been really good. Uh, I think left to right, I think it's just solid. Like, I think it's going to be... I think for the first time we can, I mean, I, first time, at least for me in a while, I, I feel really, really good about the offensive line going into the season. And, you know, I think, I think, I mean, I think there's a bunch of dudes uh, on along that first five. Uh, Nez Cooper is really, really come around. I think he's, I think he's going to be good. I think when there was kind of, 
I think when the first team offensive line did kind of, you know, slip up a little bit or when they maybe allowed the most pressure, I do feel like it came from that younger right side of the line. And I still think yeah, that that side is, on. I think they're going to have, I think they're going to go through their lumps. I think they responded well, especially again in the red yes. zone, opening up that hole. Like, I think that was big for them uh, to see them kind of do that. And again, I think that, I think maybe those two um, are going to maybe have their ups and downs at times. And I think we got to be, we got, we're going to have to roll with them, but I think both of them are very talented and, um, you know, again, I think this I think this five is the best I've felt about a five at Miami. And uh, I mean, really, I mean, I probably can't remember why. I'm sure there's probably sometime in like the like 2017, 2016, like 2015. I don't know all that that whole era where it was just like the Brandon Linders and uh, Danny yeah. Isadora's and uh, Joe, Joel, what um, John Feliciano's like. I feel yeah. like that was the last time I felt really good about Miami, of Miami offensive line. And I feel like this one is, you know, just as talented, if not more, and has some NFL guys on it. How do you feel about Jalen Rivers? Because I think he played pretty well, you know. Um, I think it's fair to say, like in, in the two minute portion, so they ended the scrimmage going to two minute offense, right? Which is pass protection. Like everyone knows, you're passing the ball, two minute offense, got to go score. We did see Ruben Bain, I think, get some pressures when going against Jalen Rivers. I kind of view that as like Ruben Bain being a freak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you have an issue with how Jalen Rivers performed? I, I didn't necessarily have an issue. And again, I don't think he's like a, a like a, I don't think he's like the prototypical left tackle. I think he'll be a solid, you know, I think he'll be a solid left tackle for Miami in this, you know, in the way that they need to use him. But I also don't think like left tackles like his natural position. So again, I'm not expecting Jalen to just be like flawless. Uh, I'm not expecting him to go off and be a first round tackle after this season. Um, but I think he was solid enough. And yeah, I mean, Bain's motor is, is absurd. Um, uh, but you're also yeah. going to, you're also going to run into some, some top pass rushers, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, going through the gauntlet of, <laughs> I mean, gauntlet, I don't know, but I mean, the ACC does have some strong pass rushers, especially when you play Florida state, uh, Texas A&M is going to have them. Uh, Clemson's definitely going to have them and uh, alongside a few others. So I think he's going to be tested. Um, I, I, I'm not like worried about Jalen rivers. I feel like he's going to be all right, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm not expecting him to be like this, like all conference type of player. Overall thoughts on offense. Um, do you feel like it's an improved situation year over year? I, I do like, I, I definitely do. Again, I think just conceptually, I think it's just going to be, I think, I think it just fits what these guys want to do. And I think we saw that, you know, we saw the, we saw the we saw the big plays. Uh, I think we saw improved run blocking, and I think just better talent uh, in the backfield with AJ Allen and Mark Fletcher kind of back there. I think it's clearly better along the offensive line. Tyler Van Dyke looks way more comfortable. I think the receivers have gotten better. Um, you know, tight end room again. I mean, we'll see how healthy they're going to be, but at least you have a. I mean, you don't have Will Mallory. Like, I think that's. I think the tight end room isn't as good as it was last year just because of that. But, um, you know, at least you got a big veteran who can help you, you know, again, in kind of the trenches in Cam McCormick. Uh, I do feel better about the offense, of the, the offense as a whole and uh, really just the direction that Miami's kind of going on that side of the ball. Right. I agree. They will be better. Um, I think it's fair to expect like 30 points per game, which is fairly average in, in college football today. But that is a big jump year over year compared to what they were doing last year. Um. Let's go into this. I think this is interesting. What would be the best identity for this offense this year to to you? Because I kind of think, like, look, we all know Mario Cristobal wants a power offense, yeah, power slash explosive. Um, and I think I 
I am a fan of that approach. But I think with the personnel they have, it's still a finesse personnel. Definitely. I still think they are flipping flipping the roster in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so to me, I kind of think I think the best approach on offense is to let Tyler Van Dyke throw it 35, 40 times a game. Essentially pass to set up the run. And I think that so I think that's the best way for Miami to go score points this year. Uh, that was definitely not the approach last year. They were definitely trying to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball to set up the pass. Didn't work. Um, would you push back on that being the needed identity of Miami this year on offense? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't push back on it. And I, I do think that, again, I, I think the personnel has gotten better where maybe you yes. can probably do that better than you did a year ago. Like, I think we're yes. close. I, I think they're, I think they're closer to but being. there's one Mark Fletcher is kind yes, of what I'm saying. Yes, there's you know exactly. I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like if you feel like you maybe have like a physical advantage over a team, like I think that you can kind of transition into that at times over the course of the season. Um, you know, cause but I do like, think that to there's beat A&M to score points. Oh, you're not going to do, you can't do this against a Like you're not going to be able to do that against A&M. Like right. that's, I'm talking about like, you know, if you play, if you go up to Boston college in November right. or whatever, like you're going to be able to be physical at the line of scrimmage and kind of just like, just be bigger, faster, stronger than them. And I do think in those, it's like, I think there were games last year where Miami probably should have been able to do that. And they just couldn't because it wasn't right. there. And I think as long as Miami stays healthy, there are going to be games on the schedule this year where you're going to be able to see that. But I think yes. you also primarily need to be able to throw the ball because I think that's what's going to help spread out some of these defenses. Again, you're you're going to run into some good defenses. You're going to run into a really good Texas A&M defense, and you got to be able to spray the ball around the yard. Like you're going to have to spread that defense out. Like you're going to have to have you're going to have to spread out uh, Florida State and Clemson. Like if you want to have a chance at beating some of these teams, like you're not going to be able to. We're, they're not there to play that brand of football. Uh, just for four quarters, like, you know what you're getting, like, you know, we're, we're just going to kind of do this and beat you in the trenches. Like, I don't think Miami's deep enough uh, along the offensive line to do that. I don't think they're deep enough at running back to do that quite yet. I don't think they're honestly deep enough at tight end uh, to kind of be able to rotate different guys in that can kind of just be those strong blockers on the outside. And also, right now, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right so, um, yeah, I mean, I still, I do think we're, this is more of a finesse stop, like a finesse team personnel wise, Again, I think they're getting closer. And I don't and say it, that in a negative way. No, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. calling it what it is, right? No, it's like, not, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And I don't think people should take it as a bad thing. I just think that... You can go score points in that style. 100%. And there's I, a I lot think, of teams that are... There's a lot of teams that put up huge numbers playing that style. Like, playing right. that style. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I mean, you're, there's going to be opportunity. There's going to be times where you're going to get... You know, again, like, if you run into some juggernaut team, like you run into a freaking like Georgia or whatever, like they're, they're just going to smack you in the mouth. But you can beat like 80% of college football teams are like, you know, with that style of offense, because you can just yeah. go throw up a ton of points. Um, but I think for my, I think for Miami, I think they're still there. And I, I think they're probably two years away from probably Agreed. being the type of offense that they want to be. And it's still maybe, maybe more balanced where you can be closer to 50, 50, but I still think they're at a place right now where you need to be able to move the chains, like passing the ball. And then again, I kind of like how you said it, like almost like pass to set up the run. And uh, I think if you could be a successful passing team, I think it's just going to make the running game that much better. Cause again, you kind of open things up on for the defense and have, force them to have to cover more ground. And I think that would be a win for Miami if they can successfully pass the ball and let the AJ Allens and the Mark Fletchers kind of, um, you know, do their thing when they get their opportunities. 
I think you got to be 60, 40 past a run. Yeah. And I think that's fair. So if we're talking about like biggest area of concern, I think number one, the thing to point out is like just the tight end situation. I think the Elijah Arroyo thing, if it, if this thing lingers, that's a bigger deal than maybe is getting, you know, credit for, uh, we don't really know if this is going to linger. We don't really know the details of this injury situation, but if it does linger, I think that's a pretty big blow. Yeah, um, it would be. So outside of that, to me, the biggest area of concern is this dynamic that we're talking about, right? And I do think it's encouraging that Mario Cristobal went out and got Shannon Dawson, right? Like he is an air raid background guy, but at the same time, like Mario Cristobal wants to run the ball, wants to win with power. Uh, and, you know, Shannon Dawson is quick to point out like, hey, I like running the ball too. And he does that because he knows who his head coach is. He right. knows what his head coach wants. And so the dynamic of, you know, doing what your head coach wants or doing what is best for the personnel you currently have is a situation that I am just curious to see how it plays out this season on offense. And that's kind of the biggest area of concern for me uh, moving forward. And I'm not saying it's going to play out in any way in particular. I just, again, Texas A&M, I don't think, I think if you want to try and beat Texas A&M with power, you're playing into Texas A&M strengths and what they want to do to go win the game. Uh, I think you're going to have to spread them out, throw the ball around a lot, and have success in that way in order to beat Texas A&M. Yeah. Clemson, the same. Right. Florida State, the same. Um, so that's kind of, I don't know if area of concern is like the biggest, the the best way to put it. Um, but that's kind of the area where I'm just kind of watching. Like, okay, what's the approach going to be? And again, I am encouraged that they hired Shannon Dawson. I think that's a huge step in well, that right step. direction of like, okay, leaning into the strength of your personnel. Uh, but the season's here, and and I just want to see them actually go out and, and do it, play that style, just because it is best suited for this personnel. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with with all that. I mean, I think I think the tight end situation, I mean, I think just to bring something different to the table, I still think that, uh, like, you know, the off the overall offensive line depth is still concerning. I still think when you get into like that, like what's that six, seven, eight going to be able to bring? Because I think that's where it got really bad last year when you, when some guys went down and, you know, I feel like the, like the drop off was just too significant that I think. So I, I, I'm more comfortable, I think with it than you outside of if Miami loses Matt Lee. Yeah, like center would be a big like I think that would be a, a big big concern. Um, I think they can cover up the other spots good enough. I hope like, so. There's still a drop, but like I think Samson, you elevate him somewhere in the starting five. Uh, I think he can get get the job done well enough. Um, and I, I am encouraged that he was working at guard. You know, I think that's yeah. something that I didn't necessarily, um, you know, take into consideration. Like just like really since he's gotten here, like the fact that he could probably play some guard if they needed to, or that he's been working at guard. So I do feel better that they kind of threw him out there 
and uh are were and and again i think he he did some good things um just that he's just comfortable or just getting comfortable playing uh along the interior because i think if he can come around that would be good and i think matthew mccoy too again the ability to kind of play inside and outside would be bad yeah i mean i think the backup center situation would be really concerning but i yes. i just feel i feel, i just feel like that those first five are just so solid that i'm just kind of nervous about what the drop like what would happen if one of those guys yeah. went down and again i think even I, I think even maybe even to a receiver, like I think I do feel better about it, but I still am not like a hundred percent sold that like this receiver room is just like overly dynamic in a lot of ways. And again, still kind of maybe wanting to see Tyler Harold do kind of his thing and feel like we didn't get that, but you know, knowing that he still has the potential to kind of bring that to, but just not having seen it yet. So, right. um, you know, I think just, again, I, I don't even know if those are really like true concerns, but maybe just stuff that I feel like I, I still would like to kind of see. Well, I think the depth is better overall, yeah. but it's still not where it needs to be. I think that's fair to say. You Definitely. Know? So they do, on both sides of the ball, they do need some injury good luck. All right, let's take a quick break and let's then discuss the defense. All right, we are back. Defensive line, Gabby. Uh, I think the first thing to point out was Akeem Mesador was held out. You know, I don't, doesn't look like it's anything serious, but uh, he he is being held out a little bit right now, so that's something to monitor. Uh, with him being out, that means that meant uh, Ruben Bain having an expanded role, bigger role, being pushed up to the first team. Uh, I think you know we talked about Nigelie Kelly flashed early, Bain flashed big time at the end, um, so that was encouraging. Those two young defensive ends stepping up, playing big. That Leonard Taylor was good. He particularly flashed at the end of the scrimmage in two minute, which I, which is very, very good because I think one of the things with Leonard that he needs to show is that motor is that effort, particularly late in games. He showed that, uh, now he has to do it consistently cause he's flashed it before. Uh, but he definitely showed that in the scrimmage. Um, you know, Jafari Harvey was solid. Chance Williams was solid. Uh, but overall defensive line, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's fine. You know, I, I think, uh, I think Ruben Bain uh, to me, I think it's, I think I just even over the course of fall, we kind of like drew up the first and second team and it was always like Keem and uh, Nigel League and then Jafari and Chance. And I think that, again, if Akeem's not ready to go, like Bain's going to be the second defensive yeah. end to roll. Like, I think, I think we're, we have to prepare for a situation where Bane, like Bane's, I think Bane's going to be on the field a lot. And I think that yes. they are going to be able to kind of lean on him. And I think that's good. I get, I think the motor is super impressive. I love what I saw from Ruben Bain. Nigel Kelly definitely did his thing. Again, we saw the little things from Leonard Taylor. Um, Ahmad Moten made it. I thought he made a pretty good play on like that screen where they yeah. kind of jailbroke. He, and he was able to kind of like jump up, get his hands on a ball. I think that was maybe more athletic, ability than I probably would have given him credit for. Like, I didn't know if he was, if he's a guy that could have like, you know, made that type of play. So I think that was good. People talk about how he's reshaped his body and, you know, I think he's coming around. Like I'm, I don't know. I was Uh-oh. not, I, I was definitely not an Ahmad Moten guy. Right. Uh, and I think I'm kind of coming around a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I think Anthony Campbell, I kind of want to see how he kind of rolls with maybe like, you know, not the third team. Like, is he someone that you can throw into the rotation and, and, uh, you know, maybe he can help out because I thought he was really disruptive. The most of his opportunities. Yeah, he definitely was. Uh, I as thought a he was third super, teamer. For sure, as a third teamer. So, like, I kind of want to see what a potential elevated role looks like for him and if he's able to carve out um, a place in this rotation. 
Um, so I think those guys are probably the ones I was most encouraged by. I know people really like Branson Dean and, and what he brings, but, uh, I, I don't know if I'm concerned about it. Uh, I think there's I just, yeah. D tackle. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's where it needs to be. No, it's definitely, it's it's not. Which I don't think is like a crazy statement. Like, I think we knew that coming into We definitely knew that because they they were trying to find any defensive tackle that they could possibly get their hands on. I think Leonard's fine. Um, But, you know, I I think there's just questions outside of Leonard. uh, Where is it good enough? So... I think it's a concerning point, especially against these teams we're talking about, like A&M, Clemson, Florida State. Because, um, you know, like Branson Dean, again, he's getting a lot of praise eternally. I think he's a, he's been a valuable leader yeah. uh, with his approach and all that. But he is a guy that's 6'1", 290, and he definitely looks 6'1", 290. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I wish Jared Harrison Hunt would go take that job because he kind of has the body type you want. Uh, he's with the second team, and he flashed a little bit too, but uh, clearly I, I don't think he's passed up Dean in the, in the coach's mind right now. And then, you know, Josh Horton, the freshman, looks the part, but he's a freshman D-tackle, and it's hard to expect much there. I agree with you that Moten's better than probably what we expected coming out of high school. But even that, you know, I don't know if it's the standard if that makes sense. Yeah. So, sure. um, I think they're going to have to mix and match. Quite frankly, I think they might have to throw Bain and Mesador in, uh, inside quite a bit. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious how that plays out. Um, let me say this too. And I don't know if this is like a crazy comment, but, um, I think there's a chance that Ruben Bain leads the team in sacks. Do you think that's crazy? Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices, ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERCLawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. 
They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. I'm kind of stuck. It's just like, all right, if it's not Damari, then who is it? And again, I think in my perfect world, in my mind, I wanted it to be Jadis Richard. Um, I kind of hoped that he was just going to be that kind of guy. But again, I don't think that he's taken it yet. And if he hasn't taken it yet and Damari is going to be out here making plays, then maybe it's Damari. Um, you know, Honestly, I kinda... my view from the scrimmage was this is more of a Damari-Daryl Porter battle just from what we saw in the scrimmage. Would you push back on that? Like Jadis was getting work out there too. Yeah. But it just seemed like Damari and Daryl are out there more. Would you push back on that? No, Daryl's on the field a lot too. And I mean, he's the one that had the interception, right? He's the one that came yeah. down and made that play, you know, but if it's about, if it's down to Damari and Daryl Porter, I think I'm going to Mari. Okay. That's just how I feel. Unless yeah, you don't yeah, feel yeah. good. If like, it, maybe it goes either way. And again, those guys rotate in, but. I would I, I think Damari is 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 just is is a more talented like just overall more talented he guy is. and if you're gonna roll with Damari then just just like let him maybe go through some lumps early in the season I think he's gonna be which there will be yeah exactly there'll definitely be ups and downs very talented at receiver yeah but again is Daryl Porter like just the clear answer there either and I don't think right. he is so I would just go Damari start a freshman cornerback. Um, you know, he, I think he will be good enough and he's going to get better. And then, you know, again, I know you're, you're obviously not thinking about this type of stuff, but I mean, it's not a bad sell to recruit saying, Hey, yeah, we started a true freshman cornerback, you know, as they're trying to build up this roster. Where do you draw the line in terms of the, the cornerbacks that should be playing? Devonte Brown. Right. I think Jaden Davis is clearly yep. the best nickel out there. Uh, I mean, I don't want to go much further than Jaden Davis, honestly, in the nickel. Um, Damari, Daryl Porter. I think that's it for me. So no Jadis. Oh, Jadis Richard. Yeah. Yeah, Jadis Richard. Jadis over Daryl or Daryl? No, no, Jadis? both of them. Yeah, Daryl and Jadis. I just, I feel like to Corey, I feel like, I feel like I've just seen enough to, at this point. Well, it was before. tough to see him get bombed like that by Restrepo. Restrepo. And again, if you're working as an outside receiver and I get like, you know, maybe slot, but like, I just just, not good enough. Yeah. No, not for me. I will say this. Like, I think so last year, of course, the explosive touchdowns were a significant issue. Um, We didn't really see that in the scrimmage. So that's somewhat encouraging. Hopefully they can continue that. I mean, explosives are going to happen. You're going to allow explosives. They just can't be of the 50-plus yard explosive variety like they were last year. Um, yeah, I thought Jaden was solid. Um, it's still a group that's like, ah, I don't know. To me, the secondary, the corners, their success will be defined by how well Miami stops the run. So if Miami stops the run and puts – the defense in third and long situations, and then Miami's defensive line can go pass rush. I think the corners will be fine. 
But if the if the run defense isn't where it needs to be, it's gonna be rough watching these corners having having to defend. I think. Um, yeah. What do we make of the other interesting thing besides Damari working with the first team? Was Markeith Williams working with the first yeah. team over James Williams? What do you make of that? Yeah, I don't make much of it. Um, you know, I Same. think James Williams is going to be the starting safety. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think that discipline was... reasons, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, it was. It was a. It was disciplinary reasons. I don't think it was like. It wasn't like behavior related. It's not like James yeah. Williams did something like extraordinarily. It was just, I think, like a little slap on the wrist. Like, hey, you're only getting second team reps during the scrimmage because of X or X, right. X, Y, Z, whatever the case is. Like, I don't think that worked. Like, I think if the next time we have viewing, David, that we're able to kind of be back out there and watch, you know, cer- certain things. I think James Williams is going to be the first team safety. I think when Miami rolls out against uh, Miami of Ohio, James Williams is going to be the first team safety. Um, I think that this is just a situation that came and went. Uh, I think the, you know, the consequences yeah, were served and it moved. He's yeah, better. He is. He's yeah. Better. And it's, it's, and we were kind of sitting there like, what's going on here? Cause like Marquise didn't like, we were like, Marquise didn't like separate himself. It's not like Marquise is like overperforming right now. We're like, the, but yeah. yeah, I think it was disciplinary. I think everyone moved on. And I think, you know, it, it'll be Cam Kitchens, James Williams, the way that we anticipate back at safety. I have a take at safety. Let's do it. I think I want to see Jadis Richard get a look there. I mean, that could potentially be the clearest path maybe to like the field. Like if, if maybe he could be that third safety. Right. And if they talked about how like he has the versatility to play it, especially if Damari is CB two. like if Damari wins that job and he's the guy you're rolling with, I think you put Jadis at safety. And let him be that. Would rotation. you would you feel comfortable with Jadis being like the number two slot? Yes. Like with Jaden Davis, like Jaden yeah, Davis like, and Jade and Jadis Richard are the two are the two slots. That that's how I feel. That, that that's what I feel yes. like would be the best situation for me yeah, personally. Because you got one slot that in Jaden who can cover. Yeah. And then you got the bigger framed slot who could, in theory, get off blocks better. Right. And help and run support if you yeah. need that look. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my take. I'd like to see that. I've, I mean, we haven't seen that yet, but I, I, I'd like to see that move happen. Overall thoughts on defense. Yeah, I an, mean, is it an improved group? I think so. Um, like, I feel. I think this is. Like, I think the linebacker situation is much better than it's been in a long time with Francisco Mauigoa. Um, and then KJ Cloner or Wesley Vasant. Like, I think those are like the two best line, but like two of the better linebackers that Miami's had here in some time. I think linebacker play has been uh, something that's been, that's really hindered these guys defensively. Um, you know, I think the pass rushers are better with Ruben Bain coming in, Nigeli kind of emerging. Um, I think Leonard Taylor, uh, you know, is in line to be the best version of himself at 310 pounds and, you know, all those different types of things. I think, you know, corner, I, I, I mean, I think. What is fair, like what is fair to expect of this group? Like, like in what way, like in what way, like just like statistically or like, can they be a top 40 defense? Cause I don't know anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I get top 50. I don't know. I just, I, I, I want to see how much the scheme, I just want to see how much like this, like how much is the scheme going to kind of help them? Cause I thought it was fun the way, like, again, I, I, I think we also saw 
again, like a bare form of it. But we did see kind of like the movement with like the defensive linemen yeah. and stuff like that. And like those kind of like those pre-snap, um, you know, changes and looks. And honestly, early for the offense, it did kind of create a couple. Like the offense had like, I think it was like, was two penalties on the first drive. Um, you know, yeah, that I like think false that, starts. You're saying. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think that I think what Miami's doing pre-snap um, created. So, like, I, I, I think, again, once this defense is kind of rolled out, like how much can maybe this because like Marshall was this like insane, like defense and all that stuff. And obviously, from a talent level standpoint, it's not like there was a bunch of NFL dudes there. Obviously, the talent level they're competing against is, you know, much less too, and all that fun stuff. But like how much can just the scheme maybe make up for maybe the lack of like, again, just total depth and whatever they're not good at, like how much can Lance Gidry cover up like the deficiencies of this defense. And I really like, I, I feel like we don't really know yet. Like, I, I don't know how much of an impact that really makes, but I do think that his like past his history, um, you know, tells us that, you know, maybe he can just be really creative and find a way for whatever Miami's not particularly great at of just masking it by doing other things, uh, you know, well, and those types. So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like maybe I'm just, Hoping that Lance Gidry just uh, you know really dials it up. Maybe, maybe top uh, yes forty, or top no. fifty. Yes I don't or know. No. Mm, I'll say yes. Okay. Just to be optimistic. I like that. Um. All right. Let me ask you this then. From what we saw, run defense doesn't concern you. Yeah, I mean it does. It does. It does. It does concern me. Um. Just because I think that there is like sort of a lack of just especially on the interior, like with the defensive tackles, like there's not like those prototypical bodies that you're going to see. But a lot and... of the a lot of the runs we saw were to the edges, to... right? Yeah. So what's the issue? Like, do you view that as linebackers not being able to get there soon enough? The nickels not being able to get the safeties not able to fill the alley. There's something off there. I'm just throwing that out there. No, I mean, I, I, th- I don't, I don't think that this is just going to be like some like elite D. Right, 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 right. I'm just voicing my concerns. Yeah, no, I um, think, it's, I think all those, I think all those are fair. Like, I, I just, I, I want to see what, I just want to see what it, this looks like. Like, like again, how do they kind of like make up for this? Because again, I don't know what we're, I don't know what we've seen from this defense, and like, I feel like Lance Gidry's just like needs overall to be approach. Yeah, exactly. And how creative because is he going to be? the personnel is, you know, it's not bad personnel, but it's not, you know, top 20 yeah. defense Okay, personnel. but it's just like it, within like the eight, again, the scope, uh, the, within the scope of like the ACC, like how do you feel like, like, do you feel better about the way that this defense is year over year, like compared to last year, like personnel wise, like where they're at? So like, again, like just like within the conference, like, because I guess I, 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 the team isn't winning national like, championship, like a championship or anything like, like that. So like, Last year, they were like 66th, right? I think advanced stats would rank them 60s in the 60s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I feel like it can be a top 50 defense, I guess. Um, I guess, so my concerns are, obviously, we talked about D-tackle. I think that's a concern outside of Leonard Taylor. Linebacker, I think they have improved it, right? So let me say that on the front end. On the flip side of that, is it fast enough at linebacker? I'm nitpicking there. It is improved, but like, is it fast enough? Nickel tackling, is it going to be good enough? Um, Safety outside of kitchens, is the tackling going to be good enough? 
Also, one thing that kind of bothered me about Saturday from a defensive standpoint, they looked fatigued. So they did, and they I think they were. Like I right. think that was like a concern like coming out, like that was something that I think definitely impacted things just from what I heard. Right. And again, it, it was for, hot. And it's like it is like yes. insanely hot, but like I like you gotta I, I think you I mean you're training the thing in this, too, you know? like um just from like a big picture standpoint, right? And like one of the cliches that I think, you know, it's cliche because it's true, blah blah blah. Generally speaking, the first scrimmage of camp, the defense should win. Did the defense win that first scrimmage to you? No. I, I think the offense won it. Yeah, I would say so. So that has me a little concerned. Like, does that mean the offense then is like going to be really good? Maybe, you know, hopefully. Because uh, the offense drove down the field and scored the first drive of the game, right? Yeah, I mean, just in general, it takes timer for an offense to gel, right? And yeah. click. That's why the cliche is that the defense sh should win the first scrimmage. Um, so that's just kind of like things I'm monitoring, right? I'm not saying like this is a trash defense or whatever. Um, I just, you know, I was a little worried about what I saw on defense. And there's personnel things they can make changes to that I think can solve a lot of it. So let's get into that, right? What From a depth chart perspective, just the whole team, I'd like to see AJ and Mark more at running back. For sure. I'd like to see Ray Ray work more in that Burchard role. Definitely. Uh, less to Corey. Less to Corey, I would say. Again, I'm advocating for Jadis at safety. Probably not going to happen, but I'd like to see that look. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else like major that I would advocate for from a depth chart perspective. Um, I mean, but, again, I, I think I am very curious. Again, I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't know. But like, I do, I am curious if Anthony Campbell can like make that jump to like being a contributor, like get too yeah. deep, like two and a half deep guy, like an or guy on, sure. on like a two deep jet on, on the two deep depth chart because scrimmage he, two I, can be an opportunity to see that yeah i agree um do you feel better right now and again i've slanted this conversation maybe but do you feel better about the offense or the defense right now no i mean i i definitely feel better about the offense just because i i think that it's going to be and it's not be, just it's not because of anything i think it's just i feel better about just like really what they're going to do like the, just the overall philosophical approach and how we've kind of seen already seen kind of the fruits of that and how they've kind of taken some of those next steps by what because of what we saw in that in that first scrimmage and i think just again even like personnel wise along the offensive line and with the running backs especially with mark fletcher that uh, you know, I think that this is going to be a new look offense that's going to be just kind of like the antithesis of what Miami was in 2022. Hopefully, um, yeah. again, not saying they're going to be a top five offense in college football, but I think they're going to be significantly more efficient and better um, than they were a year ago. So I would definitely say the offense. Same. And I think that's notable because, I mean, both were bad last year, but the offense was worse um, than the defense last year. Um just the thing I'm I, I really want to hear 
out of the second scrimmage is that the run defense was better. Cause I think that's a huge key for that side of the ball. Again, I don't, you know, the cornerback group, I think the depth is fine. The depth is better, but like the starters or whatever, they're going to roll out there. You know, I think unless they're put in advantageous situations on a consistent basis, it's going to be tough for that group. So they gotta, gotta, gotta be pretty good at stopping the run this year so that they can get in those advantageous pass rush situations. The strength of this defense is by far the pass rush, that defensive line getting after quarterbacks. They have to get to those situations though. All right. Last thing, then we'll get out of here, Gabby. Did the scrimmage in any way change your outlook on this season? I, I, I feel like we kind of have been riding with like eight and four. Like I still feel like this is a team that's, I, I don't think that this is anything more really than an eight win team. Like I still think that that's ballpark and maybe they can surprise us. I don't know if, 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 if everyone, if everything stays healthy, like I, I, I still feel like, like, I don't know, like eight wins is probably I still feel I, eight. Yeah. I still feel like it's eight. Um, again, and, I, and I'm, I think I could be very, I could talk, I could get talking. I think I could talk them to, this is a seven win team more than a nine win team. Agreed. I guess is where I'm at. I would agree with that. I think seven would be more likely than nine. Yeah. Uh, but the focus needs to be like eight, like yeah. go in eight, be competitive in those four. Yeah. And if they exceed that, that's awesome. Right. I think that would speak to the development and the coaching for sure. So that, that would be encouraging. Um, but yeah, it, I might have lowered my ceiling, ceiling, ceiling. Like, I kind of went into the scrimmage being like, okay, maybe if like everything breaks right, nine and three. But where I'm at right now is kind of just eight and four. Like, I don't really see it after the scrimmage, like in yeah. terms of nine and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So, and I don't generally, think they're deep like, enough yet. Right. And, and I'm an optimist. I'm a glass half full guy. So maybe even take the eight and fourth thing with a grain of salt. Uh, and Las Vegas has this thing set at seven and a half. So um, we'll see. Was valuable seeing them in that scrimmage. Um, again, it is just a starting point. Improvements are allowed to happen uh, during fall camp and during the season. So hopefully we will see those improvements take place. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening to this grinder of an episode. Yeah. Um, lightning strikes too. Uh, you hear but- no, but I could see him in your video. Oh, okay. I'm just saying we lost power. Um, yeah, it was bad. It's ugly out here. But we'll get out of here on that. Appreciate all our sponsors. Thank you again for all our listeners as well. And until next time, take care. For this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.